Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unlocking the Magic. We are unlocking Disney's Spaceship Earth today inside Epcot. You're not going to say you're excited or happy or anything? I was trying so hard to remain calm. But no, I am really excited to <laughs> unlock... That's going to be like your thing now, like mine, the buses or rental cars. Did you, I don't know if my tone of my voice was really subdued and sort of, I was trying to be sort of futuristic. We're going to go unlock Spaceship Earth. And I was trying not to say the words excited, but who am I kidding? Yeah, whatever. Just be yourself. <laughs> Just say them every time now. People want it. Before we get into today's episode, we need to thank our sponsors, Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller crib rentals delivered straight to your theme park. Orlando Resort, Hotel, or Vacation Home free of charge. You choose the time of delivery, they'll drop it off, and at the end of your vacation, they'll pick it up all free of charge. So for more information on that, head over to KingdomStrollers.com and let them know you heard them on Unlocking the Magic. All right. This iconic structure is super, super near and dear to my heart because... As a child, as a young child, I thought Epcot was, it still is, but when I was a kid, the most incredible place on Earth. And the symbol of Epcot is Spaceship Earth. So what no better you know, way to just get dive into it today and just unlock some secrets, some history of Epcot, Spaceship Earth, and relive my childhood a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I never got to go there as a child, so. I know. Every time I feel like I always feel guilty. You should. It's it's not fair. I know. I'm so sorry. It's all right. This at least our kids get to go all the time. It's true. That's that's the best thing. Like you didn't never got to go as a kid, and look at what you're doing for your kids. That's incredible. I know, so we're a Disney podcast in the basement. You're reliving your youth through your children. Right. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, like relive like your sports, whatever you want to do in sports. You make your kids do that. Yeah, you will be a basketball star. Right. Because I couldn't be. Because <laughs> I couldn't be. Um, well, the truth is, though, the, the girls, our kids do appreciate it, which is really what matters, right? I think so. I hope so, anyways. I mean, I, I think they appreciate it. I think it's what matters, too, actually. <laughs> That's true. So let's just go back to the beginning. Just when Spaceship Earth was just a mere concept, the structure itself actually opened in 1982. So that's really why I have such fond memories as a kid because it was pretty brand new when I was visiting in the mid 80s as a ca as a child. But you know, it's really really no secret that Epcot itself was really dear and near to Walt Disney's heart. So I think again that's something that really connects m me with Epcot is the fact that this is something that he really wanted to bring to light obviously it's not exactly what he was planning but i'm so happy that they were able to create this park based on what walt disney had thought of so and if you go into one man's dream um there's a great movie that he they have in there and a layout of what he wanted for epcot. what was <laughs> what was yeah yeah for epcot yeah right no it's incredible so back to the sort of center of this iconic piece in Epcot. This was actually an artist called John Hench, who is an actual artist, an early artist that worked hand in hand with Walt Disney himself. He created many 
many uh, outstanding pieces for Disney and really was, he actually worked for Disney until he reached the age of 95. Wow. Isn't that incredible? He passed away, you know, some years ago, but I feel like that is an incredible story. He started when he was very young and just created all these things with Disney. There's a lot of pictures of him with Walt Disney himself. So he really knew and really helped uh, conceptualize Epcot and what was called Epcot Center. So it's incredible that he was around to sort of help with the idea of spaceship, spaceship Earth. It's incredible when you think of people who actually are still alive or were alive relatively recently that worked with Walt Disney since he passed away so long ago. So long ago. And it's, it is incredible. And it is something that my goal is to have some of those people on our show because they we're are... We better hurry. We better hurry. Why would we hurry? Because those people aren't getting younger. Oh, I just thought it was because it was Bruce and you always just want to hurry. <laughs> that too. Okay. So believe it or not, actually, when the Imagineers originally were thinking of the concept of this symbol and attraction, they actually thought of it to be a dome shape attraction, which would have changed, I feel like, the whole... I'm so glad they didn't do that because I feel like it would have just, I don't know. Yeah, I think the way it that been... it is now, the way it's set up on the, like above the ground makes it look so futuristic. Like I can't imagine anything else. I feel like it would have been disappointing as a dome. But uh, Wet Enterprises really wanted to sort of make this epic symbol and really push the envelope. So they thought about a full sphere, which is obviously there now, right. structure. Um the cool thing about the sphere, too, is it's like two spheres. It's not just one. I didn't know that until recently. Me either, until I did some research. <laughs> you did research. Yay. Yeah. It's a sphere within itself. Right. It's like a rubber sphere inside. Well, to make I it mean, waterproof, too. It's incredible. Like we, So diving into it some more, um, Disney even brought in well a mastermind sort of influence, an actual scientist named Buckminster. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Buckminster Fuller who actually pat he was an actual scientist to me that's the thing about disney world is that these attractions these symbols they're more than just what meets the eye like they really are incredibly thought through for so many reasons and yeah, they this, do do that even with like the animal kingdom when they went to you know all those places to do the research they don't just kind of do research and then put it up they actually have they bring people in or they go places and actually look at the real life examples of what they're trying to do they don't just like google on wikipedia <laughs> no that's our job <laughs> yeah right um so he patented this sort of design called a geodesic dome sounds so cool doesn't it it does it sounds hard to say though <laughs> it does have to say I glad you had to say it on. not me i know you like that yeah all right so this dome he actually created in 1951 and he even this scientist even published a book back then called Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. I wonder if that's anything interesting to read. I think we should. What if it's really boring? It sounds kind of boring. Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. Well, see, I like any kind of 1950s science fiction or whatever. I just really love all of that. I know you do. <laughs> I think everybody does. So, um, But they also even brought in – so there was another uh, science fiction writer, Ray Bradbury – on the structure and the storyline. And they even brought in engineers from MIT to help with this unique design. I mean, that to me is incredible. Like you just think of it now. I mean, many people joke or they'll call it, they don't know 
hands-on. You called the golf ball? Yeah, <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> you set me What's up that? on the tee there. I did. Uh, which really, it's painful. It's more painful now if someone says it just because, you know. I'm well, it's hard to say geodesic dome every the time. The geodesic, right. Well, it isn't, for me anyway, hard to remember the name of the attraction. <laughs> it is for me. It is for Bruce. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I can't remember the name of the attraction. I wonder because it's so futuristic from the exterior, but then in the interior, it brings you into the past. So let's get into the in, in, inside the attraction. So you might not notice, or it took us forever, Bruce and I, to understand <clears throat> that the theme is based on communication. So it takes you from the beginning of time. And it brings you all the way through the way we have evolved with communication. So inside the attraction might not feel super futuristic, I guess. So maybe that's why your brain doesn't immediately go. Like you can pretty much know and guarantee like Space Mountain is Space Mountain. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, it brings you – it's like future. it's futuristic, but it brings you to the past. Yeah. Kind of like the Carousel of Progress. The Carousel of Progress, it's the Carousel of Progress, but it takes you from the past to the present. Exactly. So maybe that's why you have a little bit of hard time remembering or others out there have a hard time remembering. But it is Well, this true. is kind of like if you think about that, this is kind of like the Carousel of Progress. It is. Actually, you're right. Now that I just said that because it brings you from the past, but it brings you like the communication. So they almost took the same um, theory of the Carousel of Progress brought to this and they used communications as the way of where the Carousel of Progress is like electronics. Well, John Hench was an, uh, an, another artist for the Carousel of Progress. So maybe his influence was like, this is what I know Walt would want. This is what I think. Yeah, I guess that's right. They probably took that as an example of, hey, look, this is what Walt designed because he did design the Carousel of Progress with pe his people. Right. And he kind of, they kind of used that in this spaceship. I've never really thought of that until just now. Well, there you go. All right. So. I think I should be done with the podcast now because that's it. <laughs> you, just mind, you just blew your mind. Yeah. Uh, in order to make facts in order to be accurate with the facts inside the attraction actually they even brought in uh consulted they consulted with la huntington library the university of South, southern california university of chicago and even the smithsonian institute so they didn't just you know throw throw together some designs you know go through a timeline of the history they really what is incredible with disney and anything disney produces is the amount of research that goes in from every last detail which to me, there's no better place for a history lesson than bringing your kids inside Spaceship Earth right. and really enjoying the interaction for all that it is meant to be because it's more than just the animatronics that you see. It's really, they have to be accurate in what they're telling in the story. I mean, Disney is an incredible storyteller. So for us anyways, and for many, I noticed that a lot of kids even, you know, it's a great lesson. And when they come out of the attraction, they really seem to be thinking a lot of what they just saw, which is incredible. And there is even, which I guess I've noticed this music in the, the, well, there's music inside the attraction itself, but I never really realized until researching that there's even a 63 piece orchestra and a 24 voice choir that transitions through each scene with instruments that are appropriate to the era. But you don't really notice it as far as the transition goes because they had to do it where it was seamless because it, the, the attraction's not a fast-moving attraction, but it's 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 continuous. They do a good job, too, of transitioning from scene to scene because each scene has a different – well, I guess they put it in your car, but you can't really hear anything else. All you hear is what's going on around you in that particular scene, which is good. 
yeah, you really feel like you're a part of that story from history and then you just go on and on progression. And I'm sure that was not an easy thing to do. Like you don't hear what's going on in the cars in front of you or behind you. Not at all. So let's start off with how we like to visit. Bruce likes to visit at the end of the day because he doesn't like to wait in line. And this actual attraction, there is not really much of a wait if you do, if you do decide to go later on in the day. But for me, we sort of argue back and forth, shocker, in the beginning because I really love hitting this attraction first thing and at night. I feel like first thing in the morning really connects me with Epcot. It brings me back to my childhood and I just get too excited just to walk right by it. Like I just cannot do it physically. Cannot just walk right by this attraction. But it is more of a wait if you go during the day. That's because people probably go there right away. Exactly. And you should. I mean, for me, there is so much to see and do in Epcot and the countries don't even open until 11 o'clock. So you really have that first few hours. You really need to, you know, if you really want to prioritize your time there, you can really see and do a lot. And if you have to wait a few minutes online, big deal. But I can understand a lot of people wanting to run over to, you know, even to hit a store. Well, I don't the... run anywhere. First, I know you don't run. Second run. of all, I don't. I like to go on this attraction, but there's usually not a, a line later in the day. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I feel like there's two different types of people. I think the, the people that just run in there right away go on first, like you, or the people that want to go do something else, like me. But everybody's always trying to get their fast pass for, you know, test track or soaring. Well, you don't have to do that as much anymore. Well, I was just going to say that has changed a little bit. So the line isn't as tremendously long in the beginning of the day. Depend, it really depends. No, what I mean is you don't have to do that anymore. So people can go right on there right away. Before, people would run right by it to go to Soren to get a fast pass. Yeah, exactly. So once you get onto this attraction, to me, it's a really dark attraction. So if you do go at the end of the day, I tend to kind of get really tired <laughs> just because it's so dark. But when you hit it in the beginning of the day – you really get in and it's a, it's a, the, the way the carts move, it's almost like the, uh, the, uh, attraction inside the magic kingdom where it takes you through really, really quickly and it doesn't stop the people mover. So it's almost, I was <laughs> waiting a lot for of them like that. I, I, I enjoy those ones where they don't, well, they only stop if there's like someone getting on that has a wheelchair or well, yeah. after something like that, but right. generally it doesn't stop. Those are fast moving rides that the line moves pretty quickly and consistently. I love those ones. I know, me too. So it Peter really... Pan's also like that. Sorry. Yeah, no. Well, hello. Peter Pan for, takes forever for whatever reason. I don't know. Why Why does Peter Pan line take so long? I don't think I really understand why. It's just a popular attraction maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so this – and don't forget it too. Like the Peter Pan only probably holds two people per ship. Right. And this holds four. So it's an ever-moving attraction. And what I loved about it was that when I had – my youngest at the time, she was only eight or nine months old, and I could actually sit her right on my lap and go on this attraction, which is really hard to do. You know, when you think of theme parks, you really can't do much with a baby. But what I love about <coughs> Disney is that they definitely incorporate a lot so that you can feel – you can have some fun. You yeah, know? Just be careful if your kids want to hit the buttons on the on the, uh, on the screen. <laughs> Bruce has some stories for yeah, you. Yeah, funny story. I think I might have said this on a podcast before, but our, our – uh, Middle daughter was probably four or five at the time, and she wanted to hit the button. She was so excited to go on there and be able to like use the screen, but she accidentally hit German by accident. <laughs> so I actually went through the whole mis- uh, mis- uh, spaceship Earth in German. In German? Yeah, which was fun and interesting. And you came out speaking German. Yeah, and I, did, I came out, and not only did I not know how to say anything in German still, but I didn't know what the heck happened in the ride. <laughs> you had 
no idea what was happening. I didn't even know what happened in the story after because I was like, it was in German. I couldn't even understand what they were doing. Which I didn't even know that was an option until now. Like, I didn't realize how, that there are actually different languages that you could listen to. That's incredible to Yeah, me. tons in there. Very easy to push the button on. So be careful about that. Just be careful. If you don't speak another language, <laughs> that you stay with the language that you can understand. It's not as fun in German. I was going to say. When you don't speak German. Maybe if you spoke German, it'd be interesting. This attraction itself is only a 15 or 16 minute ride all from start to finish, but it definitely feels a lot longer, especially if you don't understand the language. <laughs> it's very slow moving. So if, if it's not as until the end part, when you're coming backwards and looking up at the sky in the beginning, you really want to hear the story behind what they're talking about. So in, when it's in German, it's not as interesting. It's not as interesting. No, not for sure. And it's not quite a history lesson if your kids don't understand it either. Not at all. But I do, that is one of the, the most incredible things to me is that, it, first of all, it's nostalgic. It's a nostalgic attraction. But this, the second thing is that it really is something that I find our kids as young as, you know, five, six years old, really paying attention to and really absorbing the information. It's spoken to them. It's It's interesting the way that the ride the narrator really can capture a young child's imagination and thought. And it's interesting for an adult as well. They always pick good people to talk on the show. They have good voices and the way that they communicate the story behind the attraction is always good. Yeah, exactly. What do you think? Do you think this is an underrated attraction? I was I... just thinking that that because the, we were just talking about the lines and there's never a huge weight at this one. And it's not super exciting. So if you've been on it before, it might not be super exciting for you to go on again, like Test Track or Soaring. See, I disagree because no matter of how course. many times, of course, no matter how many times I visit Walt Disney World, no matter how many times I go to Epcot. No, but you're I strange. I'm talking about normal people. Oh, right, right. All oh, right. Let me, let me just back a track. No. We know you love it. We know they know so I excited. love it. And I get so excited. Well, I just think that for one thing, it's something that, okay, maybe – you know, it it pulls a lot of heartstrings for me because I remember it as a young kid. Well, what about you? You're the complete opposite. Do you have to go on to this? Well, you're, strange too. You're a little bit more normal than I am, I guess. No. When it comes to Disney, maybe. But when it comes to life. Oh, okay. Um, I, I enjoy that going up. on. It's not a must-do for me on every single visit. Actually, I guess it is. I have to go on there with the kids. I enjoy it. I don't know. If, right. I'm talking about more of like the our kids don't always – love going on that but once they get on it they enjoy it it's an incredible attraction in that sense where you're right like they are more interested at first in visiting test track that's what mission they space and yeah they try to do like hey slow down let's go on this you'll like it once you get on it and then they do and then they and then during the attraction they're not even they're like so quiet they're so focused on what's happening and yeah the I, older they are they get to they they understand the story more Right, but even our youngest, like I said earlier, was that even they, they're able to capture that child and really, I mean, I, ne I never hear any other little kids like talking. Or, I mean, maybe, you know, because the attraction itself, there is a lot of us in one sort of section per se. Even, you know, it's, it holds per two people per people mover cart thingy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. But you never hear like any crying kids or, you know, it's, it's incredible that they can kind of, have a history. You like in quietness, except you're you feel like you're all alone, even though there's tons of people around you. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, and I really feel like it's like school should be this way. <laughs> I would have learned so much more 
if school was taught that was it a geodesic dome <laughs> if school was taught in a geodesic dome in a people mover i would have definitely learned a lot more i would have had a blast it's called an omni mover style ride actually which is like the people mover but it goes up and down it goes vertically up and then you come i like the, that you come down backwards and you kind of laying down and you're looking up at the sky I literally wish that was like at least 10 more minutes. Except sometimes when we go down backwards, I fall asleep because I'm so tired because it's late. It's dark. Yeah. It's pitch black. And it's just like, ah, I'm so relaxed. It's cool. It's nice and cool in there. You're laying yeah. down kind of. The sky is black and just like all of a sudden you fall asleep. You have a full belly from dinner. And then they turn you around. You're like, all right, get off. You have two <laughs> seconds to get off. Hurry up. Get off. That is stressful for yeah. me. I'm oh not going to lie. Back. Oh, my God. Where's the camera? Where's the, where's the kids? Where, what am I doing? Um, yeah, my favorite, actually, as much as I love the history going all the way back, I mean, it literally goes, you travel back to the dawn of recorded history. There's literally cave, cavemen, walls, Egyptians, Greeks. There's so many incredible scenes. And then it brings you all the way to, you know, announcing the end of a civil war, which is actually... Uh, the televised uh, broadcast of the moon landing, that all those, as soon as we get to that part of it, I don't know what happens, but I get super, super excited. Like I know, like that might be the era I'm supposed to grow up in or something, but I, to me, that's my favorite scene. I don't know what your favorite scene is. I never actually asked you. I should probably ask the kids too. Which is your favorite scene? I like the Greek scene because we're Greek. <laughs> the mathematics scene. Yeah. It reminds me of your dad telling us stories about his history. It is true. And then we sort of get into where uh, we see the, towards the end with Steve Jobs. And to me, just seeing that progression is really incredible because sitting in this attraction and really going through every moment of history, you kind of think about it in, in the sense where like, it's not that – wasn't that long ago. Not only that, but you don't really think about the technology that's available to us today. Like we're sitting here doing a podcast and you're listening to this wherever you are, not even near us. You know, like think about that technology that needs to exist for that to happen. Um, and just a hundred years ago, that was impossible. Bruce, are you implying that they should add a scene of us at the end? Us doing a podcast? I'll do it. <laughs> is it live or is it like animatronics of us? Imagine if it was live. Best life ever. That would That's be a little I... bit awkward though. <laughs> it would be awkward. <laughs> We're not going to lie. Um, I would probably do it for like an hour. Well, we know you. Then I'd have to get go get something to eat and take a break. <laughs> take a break and come back. And then I'll come but back. It, but it like really... imagine if they just us sitting there uh, doing a podcast and people think it's animatronics and I'm just like all of a sudden I just get up. Okay, that's enough. I'll, I'll be done. right back, guys. <laughs> Gotta time go. Out. Time out. Can I get time out? It's about my two o'clock coffee break. Yeah. You just got back, sir, at one fifteen. Hey, listen, what, are, what is this? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> this is dizzy after Stop. all. I need to get up flight. and eat. Right. The show is um, open. I'll be right back. Exactly. Is it 11 o'clock already? Uh, but that, to me, is the most impressive thing. I don't, you know, just seeing how much we've evolved with communications and thinking about how, like you said, you know, we've evolved so much, but it really wasn't that long ago. And it's kind of incredible to see. And it almost makes you realize you really shouldn't take any of this for granted. Because I feel like in our daily lives with people rushing from A to B so often you know think about your life right now you're kind of thinking about the next thing instead of really being in the moment i really feel like this attraction gets you to focus it's dark it really gets you to to see exactly what we've been through and really when i come out of this attraction it makes me appreciate my life a little bit more as far as technology goes and where we've evolved and i hope that the kids really appreciate and understand because 
it's incredible to see where we have gotten to this point and thinking about it for a minute of where we're heading, you know, it's, it's pretty neat. Now, I don't know if they're going to be adding more, more into that attraction or what the future holds with Spaceship Earth, but it's still to me, if anyone out there doesn't think or doesn't go on this attraction, please try it. Slow down a little bit. You'll love it. It is it super really dark, is. though, so if you have small kids, make them go with you. Don't go like let them go by themselves because it does yeah. get dark in there. It does get dark in there, yeah. And at the end, I love how they do now the – I mean, this has been out for a while, but to me it's still pretty awesome because I think about it as a kid and I didn't have this technology. But having you able to design your future is pretty fun. I wish that was in real life. I know, right? Do you want to live in the city or – I wish it was that easy. You just pick – you want to – yeah, you want to live in – Warm weather, cold weather. Right. You want to be this or that? Just be like, yeah, oh, wow, like, this is awesome. Plug it in. Um, they always get an awkward picture of me, though. And a every good single of the time. Kids. I don't know why they do that. And me, too. And then it's blasted at the end when you walk out. So Everybody can see your awkward picture. <laughs> Everybody can see it. Yeah. I could have gone without that, people. You know what I mean? Yeah, you should just like take a photo and send it in from your iPhone. What I never realized before was that, which I sh probably should have, is that this attraction is actually uh is presented by Siemens and it actually was sponsored by someone else in the beginning I believe the Bell company and now it's presented by Siemens so at the end um of the attraction there is some cool interaction things that a lot of times people I see them get off this attraction sort of run out me not naming any names <laughs> I just I think I just did <laughs> Which I can get if you go twice. If you so, if you want to hit this attraction during the day and then go at night, then maybe you just you need you only need to do this at, at the end of the day. But I think it's really cool that they have some games and sort of displays at the end, and it's really interactive for guests at the end. And that's what I remember Epcot being like. Every attraction at the end had some sort of interactive place to go and really kind of. Get your imagination going. Get your hands dirty a little bit. And get your hands dirty a little, as supposed to say. Uh, but I really love that part of it, again, because it definitely connects me back to the true essence of Epcot, which is... I, I think this whole podcast is about you getting me to slow down. <gasps> I just thought of that, because uh, I, I do run out every time. Everybody out there, he's on to me. <laughs> just thought of that. Act natural. Nobody email anything. <laughs> Um, no, it's not actually. It's for everybody out there. Slow down. Well, we've gotten some emails from people who have done that. Like maybe they've gotten a little bit excited about their trip and they were planning on doing a whole bunch of stuff and they listened to us and actually listened to us. They slowed down and it, it, it does make your trip much more enjoyable. I do have to say as a person who likes to rush around and go from thing to thing, when I do take a second to slow down and look around, I always enjoy myself more. I think that thinking about it now is like, you almost just, I feel like you just, I feel like you just connected yourself with the children because you just said, when we get to Spaceship Earth or when we walk past it, they just want to run to Mission Space. So they just want to run to Death Track. Yeah, maybe I was talking about myself. Yeah, but actually it's really Bruce because once you get him on this attraction, he's, he remembers what a neat attraction it is and how cool the attraction itself really is. See, I like the other attractions. I don't, I'm not a type of guy that has to run their Soarin' or like Test Track. Those aren't my favorite ones. Then why are you always rushing around? I didn't say I didn't want to go on an attraction. I just said I don't need to go on Soren or Test Track. Like, I don't need to be first in line at Test Track. Did you know that no. Spaceship Earth weighs 16 million pounds? 
I did. I didn't know that, but that's quite heavy. A hundred and eighty feet tall, which is why you can see it practically everywhere. And the entire geosphere was designed with a unique gutter system that actually absorbs Florida rain. I think you did know that actually. It goes into the the uh, the the whatever it's called there. I was reading really? that somewhere that it goes it it catches the rain and then uses it for the fountains. That's incredible. It is. It's, it's what it, I mean. It's a smart system. Just thinking about it, if it was raining, it would be awful having the rain pour. I mean, it really <laughs> drip right on your head. All like really? it'd be like really coming off the side there too. I was just thinking of that. Like that, you really don't even like. I didn't even think about how it collected rain or whatever. I mean, just assume it rains and it pours right on top. But the fact that it actually absorbs rainfall—that's pretty incredible. I love taking the monorail in the beginning of the day and like the monorail goes inside the park and around. It's gets you psyched to see that. Like when you see Epcot, uh, the mission space, uh, mission space, spaceship earth, when you see that as you get to the park, it's, I don't know if it's better than seeing the castle, but it, it it's just as, as good as seeing the castle. It gets you just as excited. Yeah, for sure. And I feel for like me- it almost gets me more excited because there is something to do. Like it's like the castle is the castle. It's great. You see it, but there's nothing to do there. Right. Unless you watch a show. I mean, I guess you could go inside and go to the place, but uh, we don't usually do that. But Wait, this is like dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean, though. It's not an actual attraction. Right. Like you... this is like something not only is it uh, a, an icon, but you can actually go inside and it's an attraction in itself. Yeah. I think that that is by far probably my favorite thing about it. <laughs> it's like, like the tree of life here? at Animal Kingdom. Like there's a show inside of it. You can actually go inside of it. Right. They should do that with the castle, I guess. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think they should do something you go inside and enjoy. I just love everything that Spaceship Earth has was created for, standing for. I just love everything about it. I love how modern the technology, I mean, even to this day, because you think about it, I mean, it was constructed and, well, wasn't constructed. It took a few years to construct, but it was opened in 1982. So when you think of the 80s, maybe you think of it getting stale the, new, the, the closer we get. You know, who would have thought in the 80s that we would be sitting here in 2016, you know? So it feels not seemed... that long ago to us, to me at least. Well, yeah. So the fact that, that this icon of the park doesn't – is not tacky whatsoever. It doesn't – it's not dated. It's still quite futuristic looking from the exterior. Don't you agree? I do. So a lot of that still blows my mind, I guess, is what I'm going to say because a lot of that has to do with these incredible artists and these incredible people that – you know, had such influence on this structure and were able to bring it to life, the concept and all of it. And again, if it was a dome shaped, I don't think I would have been as connected. Maybe it probably would have been fantastic, but I cannot imagine it anything other than the way it looks now. No, they did a great job of theming that. There was some video uh, online basically describing the construction. It's It's a long video. It's more about the details of how they actually constructed, but basically behind the scenes of the structure itself and how incredibly complicated it was for time. I'll link to it because it's pretty cool to watch. It's an old video, so it's not the best quality, but it is cool to see. The one thing that I saw was like those guys standing on the side of it with no straps or anything, putting the metal on. I was like, oh my god, my I was my legs were getting tingly just watching it. Well, you don't know. They probably were strapped in somewhere. It didn't look like it. It didn't look like it at all. They were putting and that's the pretty last high up. shape. Yeah, I could never do that for a job. No. Never, ever. We know. We know how much you don't like heights. Yeah, it's not something that I could do. It really is just 
part of Disney history that it's incredible to see. And again, it's still till this day in 2016, an icon. When you look at it, you feel like the the future is going to be incredible. And there's so much for us on this planet to do and still, um, which I think cannot be missed. So if you're heading to Epcot, if you're lucky enough to head to Epcot, please make time for this attraction. You won't regret it. I promise. Think about the show, the history of it and what it's meant for, not just the attraction itself or the after the attraction with the games. One thing I will say, I have, have, I love this symbol so much that for me, even though we do dress up per se for the parks, one time I had an idea. We took the family. We were going to the Contemporary for dinner at the California Grill, and everybody was all dolled up and looked so adorably fancy. We took the monorail around into while we we plan on dinner. I think it was like seven thirty, so we headed over to grab the monorail at like six o'clock, maybe just to stretch the night out a little bit. And we took the monorail. We headed all the way through Epcot. We actually got off the monorail in Epcot, and I had everybody stand in the entrance of Epcot, which you didn't have to get to go actually go in inside to get a ticket, and you could still see the sphere, the geodesic dome. Yeah, like uh, from outside. Bus. Yeah, from outside the ticket area, you could still see it and take good pictures. And take, I have the most incredible pictures because it, you know everybody was dressed up, and it was evening, getting dark, and the spaceship Earth was glistening. So if you have energy and you want to do that. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that was a good photo. At the time, I wasn't too, so, so pumped about it, but it did come out really well. You weren't so, but the kids were actually, because I think that they were dressed up, it really feels quite special to be dressed up and dolled up and heading onto the monorail and then going out for a fancy dinner. They felt really special about that. And I really believe in that. Like if you can stretch out the day by doing things like this, it really helps enhance your experience in Disney. I agree. So that's going to do it. I think we, I think we did it. I think we are out of time again. So that was a great episode. Go check out our Facebook page. If you enjoy the show, maybe share it with some friends too. That's a great way to help us grow the show. Um, it's a great gesture that lets us know that you're enjoying the show too. And uh, we really appreciate anybody who shares the show. We get tons of emails and uh, tons of feedback on the show. We love hearing all of that. Connie especially makes her day when she gets an email from somebody. So if you I have a question so or comment, info at unlockingthemagic.com. Um, we will be doing a show later this week. If you want to go to our Facebook page, we'll let you know if we're going to do it live or a podcast episode. Um, that's facebook.com forward slash unlockingthemagic. Well, it's been 50-50. Some, some people are saying live. Some people are saying podcast yeah let us know what you'd rather what you'd prefer maybe we'll do the second show a live show on thursday night or friday night or a podcast episode answering some questions you have so if you have any questions shoot us an email uh, info at unlockingthemagic.com or just go to the website or facebook the website's unlockingthemagic.com thank you so much everybody all right see ya